listen up, everyone. Now, this here is Mr. Jacob and Mrs. Monica Yee. Mr. Yee is an expert chicken sector. He's worked in uh, California and Seattle, so uh, let's give him a big Arkansas welcome. There we go. All right. All right. We're here. We're here. We're Matt and Bob. We're here to pod. We're going to be talking about Minari, and you're listening to the Analysis. 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 Wonderful. Wonderful. Analysis. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's the new theme song, Bob. What do you think? <laughs> Need to get my friend Bob Mervak to bang it out on the keys once he's done yeah. with <laughs> making the theme song for Armchair Expert. He can come over and do analysis, analysis, analysis. wonderful. Yeah, I like that. Um, what do you think about this movie, man? I thought it was solid. Minari. There is a scene halfway through this movie where Paul, the hired help, is dragging a cross down the street and. The local Will boys Patton. are Will Patton, Coach Yost, and the local kids are mocking him and say, I hear that guy shits in a bucket, which makes <laughs> <laughs> which makes our second straight review On where bu- bucket shit bucket is referenced. <laughs> so bucket shitting of Oscar contenders. It's making me think bucket shitting might have to be involved in our Oscar bet this year to some degree. <laughs> But if you lose, you just got to shit in a bucket. Shit in a bucket. <laughs> Record it. No toilet. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'll get back on topic. Of, how many buckets of shit do you get in this movie? <laughs> I give it four buckets, which, of four course, is on a four-bucket scale. Yeah, four <laughs> buckets of shit, which is a good rating. <laughs> is anyone still with us two yeah. minutes in? <laughs> Um, this movie is, is pretty beautiful despite the bucket shitting. Um, <laughs> you chicken sexer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't want to be chicken sexing for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like, if you're overhearing that conversation, like what the fuck are they talking about in that caravan on wheels? <laughs> I've been sexing chicken for the <laughs> 10 years. Oh, that was the monologue we needed. Yeah. <laughs> Getting ground down by sexing chicken. Um, no, but all right, seriously. The, yeah. What? So where, where, where do you where do you see this kind of being a, a player in the Oscars? Uh, what What were your What do you think? I mean, did you enjoy it? Yeah. Before we get to Oscars stuff, I did enjoy it, and. I would put it middle of the pack in terms of my emotional connection to it, given a lot of the movies we've been watching. And this is kind of that season where a lot of these high-profile dramas are coming out, and me and you get into them, but you also kind of get in this rhythm of watching these emotional purges mm-hmm. over and over, you know, one after the other. You know, This is my second in, in the week that <laughs> is really a an experience – but this one, in terms of some of the other ones, and they shouldn't be compared against each other, but I, I just didn't connect with it emotionally. I found it lacking a little bit in, in terms of some of those scenes that I know what what I was supposed to be feeling, and I just didn't feel it, particularly the moment in the hospital 
and the subsequent conversation they have in the Korean grocery store parking lot where they're about to split up and they come to the conclusion that their marriage is in fact eroded through this process. I, I just didn't, that just didn't hit as hard with me as maybe I thought it should have. But overall, I thought it was a very sweet movie. It was a very simple yeah. movie. And it, it did deliver in in a lot of the ways that it should have. I just felt it pretty technical. I uh, felt a bit kind of mechanical emotionally. And that and that's that's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, I mean, the guy's only done, like, what, two or three films? Although apparently uh, they've all been kind of revered and kind of darlings at Cannes and whatnot and film festivals. Um, yeah, it's a sweet, simple movie. I think that's the best way to kind of talk about it. Um, it looks really beautiful. I think the cinematography is is probably one of its strong suits. Uh, and also the uh, the the kid David, uh, Alan S. Kim, I think he kind of kills as like the the little boy. And I, I guess David is supposed to represent the director. It's a sem- semi-autobiographical um, of kind of his childhood. Um, and I think the kid does a great job. I think the grandmother character really adds much yeah. needed, uh, like a comedic element or just kind of switches things up. But yeah, I did want to talk to you about the ending because I've seen it twice. And I mostly watched it the second time because... I was starting and stopping it the first time. I was like, you know, watching it in sort of like a, a picnic setting, and we were constantly pausing it because of the subtitles to get up and refill drinks and all that mm-hmm. bullshit. And and then you just kind of lose the rhythm. And then by the end, that yeah, the emotional payoff is really there, but also it's like, oh oh, they're split up. Oh shit! And then uh, and spoiler alert right here. You don't want to be spoiled by the ending, but. And then when the barn catches fire and it's like this huge thing, you're like, oh, my God, everything is destroyed. And, of course, the entire time you're like, well, they can just harvest this Minari for free and that's going to save them. But then we and then we get to that moment and it's just like life carries on. And like, yeah. you're not sure, like, did they split up? Like, what, what's did, did the grandmother die when she was walking the wrong way in shame? Like, I, I'm kind of I'm still confused about what to make out of like this big blow up thing. And then I. Do we, do we think the fire kind of brings them back together? Mm-hmm. or? So my perspective of this and how all of these resolutions start to happen in this one pinnacle moment is da- Jacob and his wife have just had a blowout fight where they've come to the resolution or come to the understanding that they're going to separate. And it's mostly on the back of he's been so stressed and so focused on finding success with this farm that he's completely lost sight of his family and his familial duties. And so in the moment with the barn, he runs in to to save the, the crop and his wife, who's been adverse to the whole experience, still runs in there to support him and still is trying to save the crop. And yeah. thus when he comes to the realization like this is totally not worth it, he loses his wife in the smoke and he sacrifices whatever crop he can to carry his wife or or to get his wife out. And so they're both kind of compromising for each other and they're holding each other as the the fire engulfs the barn. They're holding each other and and coming to a a, a mutual connection or or the, the, the the, the family is strengthened. And I think the Minari is just simply an allegory or a metaphor for planting your seeds and kind of growth, family growth, and for hope. You know, it's it's really, I mean, just quite, the grandma brings the Minari seeds from Korea and they're, they're planting their family seeds in the mm-hmm. ground. 
Yeah. And that's that's really what the Minari is supposed to be, and and that's it's it's the American dream. It's like finding a, a bit of land and growing your family, and and I think he's able to recover financially from the the crop being burned, and they they start again, but they start on a much stronger foundation. Now they're yeah they're, they're all finding a common connection, and I think that's that's what the the ending of the movie was to me at least. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I guess maybe I got lost in the MacGuffin of Minari being like, they're gonna realize that this is gonna be like the cash crop. Yeah, because the grandma's like, n- it goes in anything, and it's yeah, too, yeah, and you could put it in. Yeah, and you, but yeah, I think even the kids that the, there's a great. I think for me and, and you were going back to the grandma when you were talking about that was that was the relationship that I most enjoyed was the kids first being adverse to grandma and then running her down even with a bad heart you know he he gets to truck in and he and he runs yeah. grandma down and and tells her we don't give a fuck about the crop come back home come back home and she yeah, yeah. you know and there's this nice reconciliation of of that conflict and and that was the one that i liked more than even the husband and wife relationship yeah me too and uh I'm sure you also related to the moment where, you know, his ding-dong doesn't work because I know that you still wet the bed. <laughs> it's not called a penis. It's called a ding-dong. A ding-dong. <laughs> ding-dong broken. <laughs> Listen, I'm not the one that woke up in the middle of the night and pissed in my laptop because I thought it was an electronic <laughs> bathroom. I was having a dream that the trackpad was a black hole. Anything I put into it, I was like, oh, maybe I give me some piece. So to catch our listeners up here, Hayes, when we were roommates in Chicago, pissed all over his computer one drunken night because he thought it was a black hole, apparently, the, <laughs> the, the screensaver, and then took the laptop into the Mac to see if he could maybe <laughs> trick them into giving him a new laptop because it's nice. malfunctioning. And they said, oh, this is covered in piss. <laughs> <laughs> we kept it, so this is covered in piss. So, uh, so now he's trying to make fun of me for peeing the bed, terrible. which has never <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my ding dong is broken. Uh, <laughs> that's why I really related to this movie. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's another one of those those sweet Oscar prestige dramas. Uh, this one's a bit more of an indie darling uh, that we've been kind of getting this year, and uh, we'll probably get a little bit more shine. Um, I, it's not on the level of like let's say a parasite, just to give it a comp. Um, well. We have A24 here, who is the maker of this movie, and me and you are big A24 nerds. Yeah. So here's some of the A24 titles that have come out the last couple of years. Midsommar, Hereditary, loved Hereditary. Lighthouse, that was one of our favorite movies, The Lighthouse, yeah. with Defoe. Love that. Uncut Gems, that was one of our big ones last year that we were champions <laughs> of. Obviously, they won with Moonlight. It Comes at Night, that was okay. A Ghost Story, 8th Grade, we both really, really liked 8th Grade. Yeah, under the Silver Lake. I mean, they they've had some really interesting movies, kind of over the last couple of years here that normally end up being kind of in my top ten. So, just shout out to that production company. Yeah, I mean the the tagline says uh, this is the movie we need right now. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? I, I have you seen First Cow? No. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's a similar wholesome. I mean that one is about like frontier. Uh, times when these these two guys decide to, oh they're able to steal some milk so they can make these biscuits mm-hmm. and then sell them and it's just a really simple story uh, and this is kind of similar I didn't I the first time I watched this I I don't think I even realized it was supposed to be the eighties 
I just thought it was kind of like you didn't notice by that our, 80s TV that they had and the 80s wrestling that they were watching and yeah I well again I was kind of distracted the first time I watched it but like I just thought that was like Arkansas and that they had bought like, a, like a shit TV and a, shit, yeah. yeah an old place and a shit TV yeah Arkansas um, always looks like it's in the 80s yeah just... <laughs> <laughs> go back to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost, got it. <laughs> I almost got it. I almost got it. No, but cool, man. I, I, I mean, I definitely recommend it. I think it's it's worth checking out. It's a it's a nice wholesome drama. I mean, it's uh, I don't think it's gonna blow anyone away. But I I think to come right on the heels of Nomad kind of uh, doesn't yeah. really do it any favors. Um, I wonder if I would have been more receptive to it emotionally had i not just gone through nomadland yeah exactly um i think to your point i think it could use a buffer like uh i think me and you both watched uh i care a lot before seeing this in between mm-hmm. seeing nomadland so I, yeah I, that gutter juice <laughs> and I, I think something like that something that's kind of more dumb fun i think you know cleanse the palate so you're not just powering through all these oscar noms yeah, this should be required that you watch Palm Springs immediately before it, and then you <laughs> yeah. get to watch Minari. Yeah, the art of the double feature. You really gotta switch up the genres. Um, I just so for this, it's it's going to probably get attention in the award season. I think it's been it's been one of those where everyone just keeps telling you to look out for it, and it's coming, and it's yeah. gonna be an awards darling. I personally. I've seen better cinematography in some of the other movies, especially Nomadland. I think I I also like the movie that we need right now. I mean, it's it's a it's a American dream story. We seem to get these all the time. Yeah, I think that Judas and the Black Messiah or Chicago Seven is more of what those we are need. more of the movies. Yeah, for sure. I I think what it means by that it's like. It just reminding people of the wholesomeness of the American dream without any sort of political bent. Okay. So maybe, so maybe it's, it's it's almost more of like a uh, a warm blanket of a film in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, this, so this is sitting at ninety eight percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's the highest of of any movie in contention. No Man Land by comparison is ninety four. Well, it's a very uh, straightforward and safe movie. Like it's yeah. a very simple movie. Not to say that that makes it like a darling by any means. And I think it's shot really well. I think it's, it's done by the book very well. There's a lot of high class filmmaking that's happening with it. And you can recognize that within the movie. I just, I want to be a little more connected to the characters and the emotion and the drama. And and I don't know, for whatever reason it, it missed me. And I, I, I guess just some of the scenes, especially some of the emotionally weighted scenes felt mechanical to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how do you think uh, Stephen Yen does? I mean, he's, good, he's good. I mean, here. I, I, I think he's obviously he's a really talented actor. He did a, a long run on The Walking Dead. He has a great part in I Think You Should Leave, the Tim Robinson sketch show, where Tim oh, Robinson's yeah. accusing him of not wiping his ass correctly. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, you, you did a big mud pie. You used too small of a slice. It got on your hand. But that was, I, I think, think his second strongest performance to this. But I think he's really good. I love the scene when he he's he becomes so 
obsessed with making this this work. Obviously, it's he's he's put all of his self worth and emotional baggage into this farm, and he he works himself to a point trying to dig a new well where he can't even lift his arms above his head, and she's supporting him and and washing his hair, and he's just like you could just like as the movie rolls on, you see more and more stress get layered onto this guy's shoulders quite literally and he he wears that really well and you can see that through the movie really well just the the compounding stress that he's going through and that he's putting on himself so i i thought he was he was really well cast and well executed yeah uh i mean go back to that the scene at the end real quick uh when uh, they're testing the heart murmur on david and and he's like well i don't want to leave my box of of produce in the hot car and Mm -hmm. she and that is unacceptable to his wife i I didn't really get that response i didn't understand it it, as much let him let him bring in the box i don't know why it takes him so long to get the box in because like the kids are already halfway through the procedure by the time he gets into the waiting or into the the room with the box that was a part that kind of confused i wonder if i missed something because i figured he was just like simply driving the car down into the bottom of the garage where it was shaded or oh he, that's what that was okay he maybe was, i don't know but then he, he brings that... the box with him into the hospital yeah, exactly i was a little confused by that sequence i might have to go back and watch it again Unless... I, I wasn't on a picnic like you were but i i was focused and i, <laughs> I still didn't get it so but yeah he and that's that's the moment where she says you choose your you chose your farm over this family yeah, but he was there for the family. I, I don't really get that. Unless he, unless hours have gone past and he's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to go go around and do my rounds. And he was actually visiting stores in that time. And, and that's maybe he comes in with an empty box. I mean, I'm just kind of speculating here. I have no idea. Yeah. It, it seemed completely unreasonable unreasonable to, for this guy to like, can I just keep this I, I on my person, it. this box on my <laughs> person. Well, like, yeah, or yeah, maybe there there could have been a scene, you know, one of the earlier scenes that weren't as useful. Um, you know, with the kids like lounging around in the mess hall of the church. I think you could cut something like that out to show him if that was the case. Show him trying to like run around and hustle really quick before he can get back and pick up David at the hospital. I think. Yeah, I, but it was just a little unclear because you're right. I was kind of like, okay, it, it was that big of a deal that he had to bring the box in from the car. That's and, and, gonna and then, split the marriage. Yeah, right. <laughs> split up the marriage, and then you know he goes to his appointments with rotted vegetables, and it's like, well, what the fuck? Why, why, why did I have to leave this? I mean, mm. let's, I mean let's say that that were to happen. I mean, be completely unreasonable, and then mm-hmm. their their income is lost. Yeah, because they can't sell rotting be- produce anyway. I just didn't really, that didn't make sense to me, but uh, that was about it. Yeah, just, the, I, I guess the ending, it didn't really stick the stick the landing at the end, um, but maybe I just, um, maybe I was just missing some things. But yeah, that, that's really the only problem I have with it. This is getting into semantics land, but it was a nice movie, and that's, that's how I feel about it. I'm not running to tell people you have to see Minari. This movie is, I'm not saying that the same way I've said some of the other movies we've reviewed very recently. So it was a nice movie. Like it definitely has a place. It has a nice message. It's, it's well done. It, all the scenes work together to tell the story. It makes sense. It just like, didn't kick my ass emotionally the way I thought it would. 
Well, I think, yeah, I mean, we already touched on this, but the fact that it kind of comes packaged with No Man Land, right? Because they're both late February releases. And, like, we, you know, and these people have seen this movie, like, over a year ago at, at the festivals. And then, so it's like, Chicago 7 comes out, like, okay, yeah, this is really, this is going to be solid, a lot of noms here. But wait till you see No Man Land, wait till you see Minari, like, blah, blah, blah. And everyone, so, like, people haven't been talking about it because a lot of the prognosticators have seen it a year ago. They're like, wait for this, wait for this, wait for this. So it kind of builds up an unnecessary hype train. But I, I, I love them when movies like this get hyped. I just don't think that you need to pound out all your, all your, you know, Oscar, uh, uh, worthy movies, you know, just, you don't have to get them all in, in a few days. You know yeah, I mean? that's true. But, yeah. If I would have seen this movie just kind of floating in the middle of August or something, I'd have been like, Oh yeah, that was a really nice movie. I, I don't yeah. think, I, I don't think there was ever going to be a time where I'm shouting, to the rafters, Minari is is the hotness. This is a, a a great movie that we we all need to be paying attention to. I think it's just a very nice movie. That's that's where yeah. I'm at with it. Yeah, and like I said, I think that that's um, how I felt about uh, First Cow, uh, which much earlier, you know, middle of the year last year, mm-hmm. I think it was like June, July, or something like that, and that was kind of like a, a very early kind of front runner for for that people were talking about. Can I take one second here to spend a little bit of time with Coach Yost, Will Patton, who has in Remember the Titans one of my favorite lines that for some reason I say all the time during football season, but (laughs) you blitz all night. I don't want him to gain another yard. And... So, I just, man, still he's always been this kind of odd spirit. Like in any movie he has, he's got this Armageddon. Kind of, Armageddon, yeah, he's this weird gambler who's, you know, can can you give my boy this rocket ship? I, I want him to know who his daddy was. And he's always yeah. kind of just has this really plucky, interesting energy, no matter what type of role he's in. But uh, it was cool to see him in this and this this work hand. That's this odd religious zealot yeah that speaks in tongues but but he pulls it off man i actually oh yeah he ends up being one of the the most likable characters in this and it's not silly there's a way that that could have been mocked or and silly and and he's just heartfelt and when he's there and and praying for the grandma and everything and i just think i i really liked him and i've always just kind of admired one of those guys that's just in a lot of movies does his role well thought he delivered here Oh yeah, just like a solid uh, two thirty batting average career hitter. You know what I mean? Gets on base. I, I, I he's the David uh... Ross of <laughs> the backup Cubs catcher now manager. He's like the David Ross of Hollywood, right? Just the utility yeah, guys played on a lot of good teams. Done his role exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah. He's a role player. Um, yeah, I think he gives a standout performance here. And like I haven't thought about him since uh, uh, Remember the Titans and. One of my favorite supporting performances in a sports movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really stands up with... Uh, he goes toe-to-toe with Denzel, and I think he, he's great. I mean, they, he really carries his, his scenes with him. And, and then Armageddon is just kind of fun. And like, oh, yeah, it was that coach. Uh, but this was like so a whole nother level. And I guess this is uh, he's collaborated with the, the director a couple times now. Okay. So I'm not sure how they kind of I wonder got if they built in this role for him then. Yeah, it seems like it. There's also, speaking of, to double back to the 80s, you are mentioning the 80s, there's one specific reference where he's going to the bank to get a loan, 
and he's talking about opening the farm, and the bank douche is like, yeah, well, Reagan, you know, he's really supporting our local farmers now. And I couldn't quite unpack, because I don't know a lot about Reaganomics. Reaganomics, but, you know, the trickle-downonomics. But I don't know if that's kind of a wink-wink kind of just almost mocking, because clearly that didn't happen for our farmers. I, I... I think he probably ended up fucking them over and the trickle-down economics uh, only benefited like the Monsanto conglomerates of the world. and That ended up help. swooping in in the California that ended up yeah. taking away his first deal in the first place. I think maybe that's what was in play there, but I yeah, I wasn't I certain because so. I just I don't know as much about politics as maybe one of our friends of the podcast, Greg Ott, might know. Yeah, yeah, catch it on the latest uh, trickle-down economics, so <laughs> a rewind episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, yeah, because I I think because uh, the, like the soybean industry is subsidized, so I think maybe like Reaganomics had to do with subsidies or something, but those just end up just fucking people over. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um. But yeah, I think yeah, let's shut the book on on Minari. Minari, let's shut the book. Do you want to spend our last couple minutes here talking about Gutter Juice, aka I care a lot? Yeah. Well, I just want to touch on this briefly because it is kind of an interesting movie. It's it's. I, I was watching it almost fascinated because I'm like, and I mentioned this to you, I was like, I hate every one of these characters that are all <laughs> awful. I want them to all die. There's no protagonist, even the guy that kind of, sh- why, well, right, uh, before we get into this, there will be spoilers about I Care A Lot. So go see it before you really get into this because you don't want to, anyway. Yeah. Um, and then so the guy shows up and shoots her. Even that guy was like a dirtbag. Like, I know he's trying to fight for his mom, but like mm-hmm. he didn't give a shit about her until like his inheritance starts to go away. Exactly. So she calls him on that. There's not one redeemable character in this whole fucking thing. And it's such a bizarre approach to making a movie. I I, I think it's kind of cool just because it's so different. It wants to be something like Molly's Game. Yeah. That's or it's, it's definitely going for a style that's in in that place and the quick edits it's very bright it's a very bright looking movie um and clearly that there's a a modern or a a new wave human tracking element that they're trying to get to just i thought i didn't even really recognize until you told me there's not a single likable character i'm like oh yeah that's right like there's not a single person that i like in this movie but i just again I want to care about a character. I want to care about the central conflict in a movie. And I just found it very uninteresting to get to that movie. I think you're supposed to be conflicted, right? Because, like, the main character is so awful. She's, like, completely abusing, you know, or gaming the system. And that that just makes you mad about the system and all these, the judges. And does this happen? Is this real? And you're, you're getting just mad and madder. And then, like, the character fucking sucks. And then it's like, okay, well, she's finally going to get her comeuppance. Wait, from these, like, Russian mafia human traffickers? Like, like you're supposed to really care about the mom she's put into this home, but she's the mother of this, like, disgusting mafia. Yeah. And she knows it, too. And she's like, oh, he's coming to get you. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I mean, I did, I I did fi- fuck myself. I did find myself rooting for those characters. I mean, I think Peter Dinklage is cast to, to kind of soften the nature of it being like a criminal you know mm-hmm. in a way um and then the the actress playing the mother it's like yeah you, you really feel for her and she's it's 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 interesting because you're conflicted because you're like 
oh, these are the people I'm supposed to root for. Oh, but they're awful. They're morally corrupt. And the fact that it was like categorized as a a comedy at the Globes as well. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. If, did you get much comedy out of this? I was just like the entire no. time I'm waiting for this woman to get murdered. Yeah, where are the bits? Where are the bits? I mean, I guess his henchman is supposed to be this goofy, silly okay. thing. Yeah. And yeah, this like odd, weaselly motherfucker. Okay. The back and forth with the lawyers I thought was kind of snappy. Um, well, just anything Dinklage, too. Like, Dinklage is definitely having comedic moments, whether he's fucking eating a burrito during a scene or, I don't know, yeah. doing different shit. I guess there was there was at least some lighter elements to it, but I don't know. I, I didn't like it at all. No, I, I guess it peaked. It, I was mostly frustrated for the two hours, but it did kind of uh, make me go, hmm? Like, it piqued my interest in, like, an approach to filmmaking and it's uh it's a little it's definitely buzzy it's it's something that you kind of like who else has seen this like i gotta talk to somebody it's i've never it's almost not something i've ever kind of really seen before uh although Monty's like Monty's game is a much better example of a more successful or vibe. just I, I would say something that's because this has got up that con artist element to it as well yeah. so i'm thinking like matchstick man Catch or, me if you can. Okay, catch me if you can. That's good. Or even something like Ocean's Eleven. It, it's it's all of those. I kind of they're except all very nobody cares ones. about like forging checks or stealing money from casinos. This is like imprisoning people, but but legally, it's so Against awful and well, so yeah. believable. That's that's what's so gross about it. Is that that is the interesting part of this movie is that you at least gain insight and visibility to this racket that clearly must be a thing for someone somewhere i don't know if it's as big of a business as this woman's able to make it out but it it does seem like once once she's able to get legal guardianship of these people she can seize their assets sell their fucking house sell their car get into their lockboxes it's just like holy shit you get unfeathered access to all of these people's lives and you can you can basically box out their kids too and keep the yeah. kids from I I don't know that there's any truth to to the main plot points but it is scary because you're like this could easily be a thing. Yeah. Uh and I think maybe it's a commentary on like nursing homes in general. Like like I mean what about uh Better Call Saul? Uh, there's better a whole call, better Saul. call Saul. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of digs into that. I've only seen the first season so I don't really know if, if he actually brings in the justice or whatever but Yeah, or even just uh, I heard about this podcast that digs into bot callers, and there was a guy who was able to basically he's a he's a software designer. Can't remember what the podcast was on. I think it's on the Daily, but he was able to track the bot calls that call him, and he was able to basically hook into their calls and listen to the calls that they were making. And oh, no he way. was basically outing or identifying, and he, people are able to to listen to some of these people that you know. That's obviously from a calling station in India, but they're able to speak to somebody and oh, you need to get to your bank. We need to get your blah blah blah. Your the IRS is coming to get you, and they're able to get these old people to give them all their information and dig out their bank accounts, man. So it's oh wow, just Wait. our elderly people and the way we treat elderly people or and or lack of protection for them is really a sad thing it's disgusting yeah there's so much criminality it's mind-boggling uh what people can get away with um yeah 
anyway, I I I I guess I would I, I consider this worth watching uh, for the reasons kind of brought up, but it's a low yeah, buy-in. I, it's Netflix. You just put it on. Yeah, I think there, there's so many movies coming out about like what America used to be or what it is now or like, you know, Nomadland, the 21st century. This is the real American dream. And then it's Minari. Well, this was the American dream in the 80s. And then it's all, um, I care a lot. It's just like, we all want to be millionaires. Everyone that makes any money is, has done something evil. And I, that's America too, I think, mm-hmm. or, or the world economics. I just think there's so much evil in the world and uh, it's so depressing and how, big business and corporations and capitalism has kind of destroyed uh, all these things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lot, 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 lot to mine. And um, I, I think a lot of filmmakers this year have uh, kind of done a good job of uh, vibing the pulse of kind of a damaged mm-hmm. nation. Yeah. And then finding their niche, finding their perspective or point of view and trying to tell a story mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, cool, man. Well, that's, uh, let's cut it there. It's nice to uh, kind of catch up with you about these two. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Everybody that's listening, thanks for hanging with us, especially through all that poop talk in the beginning. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> Wash your hands. Stay safe. Treat each other with respect, and we'll see you down the road. See you down the road. All right. Bye. Let's go.